0: This afternoon we'll be moving along with this practice of the brahma Viharas, And this afternoon the, the emphasis will be on this practice of compassion. You might recall the other night when Rebecca was uh, sharing with us about compassion and loving-kindness that she said that when the wise heart looks upon or touches the goodness of others or the goodness in yourself, there's this natural response of loving kindness, of metta. And when the wise heart looks upon or touches the suffering in another or the suffering in yourself, the, the response, the natural response is compassion. And the Pali word that's uh, usually translated as compassion is karuna. Yet there's another Pali word that's also translated as compassion, which is quite an interesting word, Uh, the word anukampa, which literally means uh, to tremble with or to shake with. For example, there's a passage in the Buddhist discourses where The Buddha is encouraging his five disciples to go out and teach, to go out and teach out of anukampa, out of compassion for the world. Out of this trembling, this shaking, this quivering of the heart, the heart that quivers with compassion, that is in some ways shaken or or quivers when it touches upon the suffering that it sees. And this is the art of compassion is can you, can you touch upon the suffering to allow the heart to quiver yet not to fall into the near enemy or the near neighbor of despair where it becomes overwhelming and engulfing. That too muchness. We're not looking for that. It's a heart that is steady, so it's balanced by equanimity, yet still feels. And both of those really balance it out because that also that balance of um, of making sure there's still a, a quivering or a touching of suffering allows it to avoid the other near enemy or near neighbor, which is the quality of pity or looking down upon someone who is suffering where We're seeing the suffering, but we're unwilling to actually touch it, to be with it. And the image that comes to my mind that helps me get a feeling sense for true compassion is an image that comes from the story of St. Francis, St. Francis of Assisi. And it's a story around a big turning point in his life where there's a a transition in his spiritual life. And it's a time where he's riding along on his horse, probably still in his clothing of aristocracy, which he, as you know, later gave up. And this time as he's riding into town and he sees this beggar who's suffering from leprosy, instead of passing by, there's this moment of actually truly seeing the person in front of him. And he immediately gets off his horse, goes towards this person with leprosy, and picks, his, picks up his hand and kisses his wounds. The willingness to kiss the wounds of another. At the same level, he didn't stay on his horse, he got off the horse to come face to face with the suffering other to allow the heart to tremble, to quiver, yet not be overwhelmed. Uh, such a beautiful thing to offer to the world, that, that movement of the heart. I wanna name what other, what would be called near enemy before we get started in the, the actual practice of compassion. And it's uh, something that Trungpa Rinpoche called idiot compassion. And it's the kind of compassion, the way he described it, is it's the kind of compassion where it's most easily seen in terms of the actions that you might engage in. For example, when you do something for someone and you feel like it's out of compassion, you, you do something that they want, want to be done. You give them something that they want. You're trying to help them in some way. Yet where it's coming from is not so much you responding to their suffering. It's you responding, responding to your discomfort with their suffering. So the, the clear example of this is a kind of enabling behavior. I don't want you to see, see you suffer, so I'm going to allow you to do this so I don't have to feel this. I don't have to feel the quivering of the heart. So it's really about me, that that kind of idiot compassion. It has nothing to do with the other person. I'm just trying to manage uncomfortable sensations and feelings in my body. And is not connected with the other person at all whatsoever. So I want to point out what you're doing here, even when you're not practicing compassion, allows for the the growth growth of a real compassion. Because while we're here, you might notice... The, one of the opportunities we're given over these three months or these six weeks is to start to be okay with whatever's arising. Being okay with the internal landscape so that we can actually come out from that and meet the suffering other, or to meet our own suffering. So important, so powerful. So not an idiot compassion a compassion of wisdom, a heart that quivers and a heart that has the capacity to be with. So the practical way that that I'm going to introduce you to today will be the use of of phrases. The classical phrase used for compassion is uh, towards another is, may you be free from suffering or towards oneself, may I be free from suffering. Just one phrase. And sometimes I add another phrase, actually I begin with this phrase, and and sometimes only use this phrase, as a way of balancing out, uh, because uh, the tendency, sometimes what can be underneath the may you be free from suffering, is still kind of a getting rid of, or a pushing away. And so I'll begin with, I care about your suffering or I care about my own suffering. So it's just this moment of of caring, of feeling. And then I'll use the phrase, may you be free from suffering. I invite you to get a sense of what phrase works for you or it might be using both phrases. Other people will will use the phrase, may you hold your pain and sorrow with compassion. And then the other components of it is, again, having the attention at the heart center, allowing for that feeling if it's there. We're not making it, we're allowing space for a feeling of compassion, a feeling of caring. And then for some people, it's also the image, the image of the person or the image of oneself. And in terms of where to place your attention, for some people, it's having a broad attention where your attention's on the phrase, the feeling in the heart, even if the feeling is flat. So remember, sometimes the feeling is there, sometimes it's not. And the image, so all three, this broad attention on all three. For others, it's just the attention, attention on the phrase, repeating the phrase again and again. There's more of an emphasis on that. And then for others, sometimes what's at the foreground is the feeling. And then the, the, the feeling is at the forefront of your attention, just feeling that. And then the phrases are kind of fueling it along with the image. I invite you to play around with these three different aspects, and you might get a sense of of where it feels most natural to place your attention. And what we'll be doing for this uh, guided is we'll begin with uh, what I'll be calling the suffering person, and then we'll move into ourselves and then we might move on from that. We'll see how it goes. So let's begin. I invite you to begin by simply checking in with your posture, allowing the awareness to come inside. And as you feel the posture, Seeing if you can just allow a space for comfort, for ease, for relaxation in the body. And now beginning to allow the awareness to rest within the heart center. So right there, right where your sternum is. And if you'd like to help make a connection with that, you can even put a hand there just to to get a feeling sense of the heart center. And keeping it simple, just feeling into the heart center, just sensing in there with a gentle attention. I now invite you to bring to mind someone who you know in your life who's suffering in some kind of way. And I invite you to pick a person where you have a rather uncomplicated relationship to, a rather simple relationship to. might be someone who you know who is dealing with health challenges, an illness, or a sickness, maybe someone who's lost a job, is having some kind of financial difficulty, or someone facing emotional challenge or difficulty with their family, or one of their friends, or in their relationship. Someone who life is tough for them right now. Them into your heart and into your mind with a willingness to kiss their wounds. silently saying the phrase or the phrases getting a feeling sense for the phrase or phrases i care about your suffering may you be free from suffering I care about your suffering. May you be free from suffering. And then continuing with the phrases, if the phrases are working for you, at a rhythm, with a rhythm that works for you, silently saying them. Keeping this person in mind as you continue now for a little while towards this person with the phrases and the feeling in the heart and maybe even the image. I care about your suffering, may you be free from suffering. Having the willingness to get off your horse and coming to face to face with the suffering other and kissing their wounds. I now invite you to let go of this person and to bring to mind another person close in your life who is also suffering. Maybe a neighbor, a family member or a close friend having some kind of difficulty. Would you be willing to open your heart to their suffering, to kiss the wounds? Bringing this person to mind, bringing them into your heart. I care about your suffering. May you be free from suffering. I care about your suffering. May you be free from suffering. And now continuing with this person. Saying the phrases, feeling the phrases. I care about your suffering. May you be free from suffering. It might even be for some of you adding the imagination as if some image of white light or something coming from the heart towards this person, towards this other who is suffering. I now invite you to let go of this person and now bring yourself to mind. And in particular, bringing to mind, bringing into your heart the things that might not be going so smoothly right now. Maybe some of the difficulties that you're experiencing on this retreat. The judging mind or physical pain, or it might be other difficulties in your life that have cropped up while you're here. The other challenges that might race through your mind or through your body while on retreat. And this is such a wonderful opportunity just to keep it simple, just to feel the ouch of that. We don't need to figure it out or fix it. It's just to feel that our life can be difficult. and bringing yourself into your heart in that way. I care about my suffering. May I be free from suffering. I care about my suffering. May I be free from suffering. Kissing the wounds and caring. I care about my suffering. May I be free from suffering. And if it helps bringing in the other element of self self-compassion which is so useful which is to universalize it to know that in this moment there are other beings right now that are suffering in a similar way, that when you touch your own suffering, you touch the human predicament. You touch and kiss the difficulty of being human. that human beings go through. Bringing that into your heart and into your mind as you continue these phrases towards yourself. I now invite you to let go of yourself and now bring to mind a neutral person. It could be someone here on this retreat that you just have a sense might be going through a hard time. Or for me, I pick uh, a person that I see when I walk to our Sangha to give a Dharma talk. who's always outside the convenience store living on the streets, having a hard time. I don't know them personally, but I can sense the suffering. Bringing to mind someone who you might know, not know personally, but you know has some suffering in their life. and having a willingness to care for them. (coughs) I care about your suffering. May you be free from suffering. Coming face to face with them and kissing their wounds. I care about your suffering, may you be free from suffering. And now letting go of this neutral person. And I now invite you to bring to mind someone who's difficult in your life. It's kind of the person where, it's not the first thing that you see their suffering. The first thing you see is kind of your suffering. (laughs) You know those kind of people. Would you be willing to acknowledge that they too are having a tough time? A friend of mine had a bumper sticker on his car that said, mean people are suffering. Bringing this difficult person to mind and a willingness to care. I care about your suffering. May you be free from suffering. I care about your suffering. May you be free from suffering. I care about your suffering. May you be free from suffering. now invite you to have a willingness to expand this quality of compassion with this last category of all beings. A willingness to care. For the beings in this room, in this area, in Boston, in New York, in Ferguson, in all of North America and South America, in Europe, in the Great Ocean, Syria, Iraq, the Sudan, the DRC, China. May all beings be free of suffering. I care about your suffering. May all beings be free of suffering. I care about your suffering. May all beings be free of suffering. I care about your suffering. So this practice of compassion is something that you can take some time as part of your uh, daily retreat life of doing formally in this manner. You can go through all of these categories or just a couple of the categories. It is important if you're doing it formally to always be including yourself for some part of that time. Another way that I utilize it is just If I'm doing my regular Vipassana practice and I come against that bumpy road, I I, I find it just, sometimes it's good to incorporate some of that self-compassion just to soften the heart and to uncomplicate the way my mind usually relates to suffering. And it can be wonderful just to take some time with that and then coming back to one's Vipassana practice. We have some time right now if you have any questions about that practice or comments about it. Uh-huh. I want to make sure I'm understanding Are you. You're saying when there's grief, there's a sense of self, or there's not a sense of self? There's not a sense of no self. <gasps> okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so, so, when there is grief, there's not a sense of no self, and you're wondering what to do in that situation? Okay, and also in the context of this compassion practice? No. <laughs> uh, Vipassana, okay. Um, gotcha, so it's kind of like with the possibility of compassion going over into grief, and then with the grief there's a sense of self and how to navigate that, you know, in a sense. Um, A a few things. One is that I want to put this a little bit in the context of compassion is more realistically, some of the practice of compassion is going over into the edges of its neighbors. Uh, It's just part and parcel of the practice. So at times you might hit a, uh, a quality of suffering that is just, it feels like it's close to too much or you start to go into sadness or despair. So that's gonna come up and then it can go also the other direction where you're doing the phrases and things like that but you don't feel much of it like there really is a distance from the other person who's suffering. So it's kind of, you, you might notice the heart moving into these kind of the neighbors or the near enemies of compassion. The first thing I wanna say that is uh, about that is, it's just normal and natural. <laughs> it's like really compassion is this spectrum and as we feel the edges of it, what happens is the heart will move into the center of it. So it's one thing is just, Part and parcel of what the heart does when it comes into contact with with the suffering, and then as it gains the skill of compassion, there's a more and more capacity to be with that with that suffering. And I think it's uh, similar just in our vipassana practice. When when grief comes up, it's the simple practice of uh, if it's not too much of turning towards it and simply feeling feeling that that ouch, that sadness, and being with that. And sometimes, when we make contact with it and, and for me it's the bodily feeling of feeling it in my body, a lot of times that's where there's the the conditions are ripe right for the sense of self to d- dissolve where it ends up being just emotion or just sensation and the unfolding fluid quality of that so. So I I move into the possibility of not self by simply touching or contacting the directness of that experience. Is that? Good. Any other questions or comments? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I cried, and there was a lot of tears, and so I'm just uh, wondering if um, is crying part of the deal, or you know, for me coming from the Middle East and uh, the last war that was happening now, and also happening now, there's endless tears I can I can uh, I can uh, speak on that just on that big area. Yeah. So wondering uh, when I'm watching Great B like the Dalai Lama. It look like crying all the time yet? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of compassion there. So just okay. Yeah. So the question around the interface of tears and compassion basically and how do they fit or not fit? So one thing about tears and compassion, which I think <laughs> is important is that all of us are gonna express compassion in different ways. And for some of us, we're just by nature, people that are more tearful than other people. So I wouldn't want to set up an idea, even if it's like the Dalai Lama, that compassion is always something without tears or something that is always with tears. I think it's very individualistic. And and so if there's lots of tears that come with your compassion, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I I think it's more a a question of what's going on internally and how we're relating to to what's going on rather than if there's tears or not. To me, compassion is more about getting a sense of capacity. And real compassion is the sense of a capacity to be with suffering, to actually have it move me. And for some people that might be tears, other people it might not be tears. And yet there's still um, a steadiness or a centeredness within that. So not being overwhelmed, yet still touching it and having the heart uh, uh, moved, but not drowning. That's, to me, what's more important than tears or not tears. Is it, does that fit? Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. there is no sadness? Um, that's a good question. The, the, in compassion, so she was asking basically in compassion, is there sadness or not? Is, is that basically, yeah. Is, can, yeah, is it incompatible? And, and again, um, so is sadness compatible with compassion? And again, I come back to capacity is it a sadness of despair or is it a sadness of the movement and touching it but not being overwhelmed by it? So that's what I'm most curious about is what's the heart's relationship to the suffering it's touching? So for some people, the way that sadness would be defined is that that just touching suffering would be a kind of sadness to them. I think kind of classically and Theravada language, sadness is seen as a kind of um, aversion. But I think the feeling, we might be using that word differently in different contexts. So I just want to name that. I think there can be a kind of sadness, again, as, as long as there's a capacity for it. Or you re- might remember what Rebecca was talking about, is uh, what she got from the Dalai Lama. You, you might remember that from her talk where she talks about where there's a feeling of being moved by it, but it's not this overwhelming heart tearing um, experience. It's a quivering um, but with capacity. And for you, there might be a tinge of sadness that is the movement of the heart, but is still in this space of of a steadiness or an equanimity. Mm -hmm. It should be a motive in some way. Yeah. Okay. So if, uh, let me repeat this and let me know if this is correct. It's the question of um, if you feel like you're getting overwhelmed, how to deal with that without backing off or going into it? Yeah. Okay, so how to deal with going towards it being overwhelming. Uh, So a few things. Um, Two ways it, for me, I'm just speaking personally, it depends how overwhelming it feels. So sometimes for me, the process of <coughs> compassion is, and maybe it's just because my compassion practice is messy, so maybe yours isn't like this, is sometimes the when I first touch the, the suffering of another, and it's someone that I have a connection with, often it's, it's kind of over the top first and then I, it's like I have to go over this hump of the, it kind of my system kind of taking that in, which is sometimes feels too much, and then it kind of goes over a hump, and then it comes back into this quality of capacity. So in that sense, I'm not really doing anything other than I notice, wow, this feels too much, and then it comes around, and it comes back into a place where there's more capacity for it. It's just the way my system's designed. So in that sense, I don't worry about it. And just, it's going through the wave of it. And it seems like the practice allows that capacity to build as I continue with it. So that's one way. Other times though, it's just overwhelming. And I know that certain mm, people or situations are gonna be overwhelming. So it's uh, the practice of touching in on it, of bringing it to mind and actually backing off. And a way of backing off is opening up your eyes and looking around. Sometimes putting a hand on, on your heart can be really helpful or even two hands as a way of a, of a kind of containment is another way as, as far as that goes and then it's sensing inside. So it is actually backing off and then coming back in or using some kind of aid like a hand to help with again a sense of, of capacity. Okay, and then one more, maybe one in back there. Uh-huh. First, thank you. This was so powerful. Thank mm-hmm. um, you for teaching it. How do you work with the experience with a close person? Mm-hmm. So the question is is uh, doing the practice of compassion to somebody who she's very close with and then the strong desire to change or to do something about it immediately? Well, or No, just for wanting their suffering to end. Wanting their suffering to end. Okay, so more the this impulse of wanting the suffering to end rather than feeling it. And how to navigate that. The one word answer is to what I'd call vipassanize it. And what I mean by that, and I guess I want to step back and say, just this exploration I find so enriching, which is getting clarity about the feeling quality of wanting the suffering to end, a wanting that is entangled in craving. What does that actually feel like? compared to the, the, the desire or the wish and compassion of wishing that they're free from suffering? And can there start to be a clarity within your heart about how those two feel different? And so sometimes when the wanting it to end it comes up, it's remembering there's a silver lining to that of like, oh cool, now I can check out this state of mind and this state of heart to really become familiar with it and to know it and to see it and to navigate it so that the the heart can disentangle from that so that then there's a a more wise sense of compassion. So I'd like to say that it's part and parcel of the practice of compassion, of refining that art, of the clarifying of those two different flavors. And then simply what I mean by vipassanize is to simply see that one flavor as wanting or craving. Or it could be, it might have more of a flavor of aversion of getting rid of. And, and with the noticing, then the mind or the heart can disentangle from that. So there's a mixture of, of what we're doing here and the, the compassion in that, that context. Yeah. OK, thank you very much.